ST Rappaport is a cognitive skills trainer. She helps people improve their thinking abilities to enhance their personal and professional lives. ST shares the top strategies to improve your cognitive function and how they can positively impact your life. This episode, you will learn what the 28 cognitive functions are, how they impact your life, and how to be more successful by improving your cognitive function. My story starts back when I was in fifth grade. I still struggled with reading at that time, about 11, um, age-wise. And I was going to a lot of tutors. My parents were paying a lot of money for private tutors to help me read. And they didn't really like it. I spent a lot of time out of class, which I loved, um, but it wasn't helping me. It wasn't getting anywhere. So they decided to bring in what's called Feuerstein Mediators, just another name for what I do as a brain coach. And these people didn't do any reading with me, like none of the typical reading tutor type of things. Instead, they worked on my brain and how I thought. More specifically, they worked on the 28 cognitive functions because thinking is not one big thing. Thinking is made up of 28 skills, 28 cognitive functions. Now, naturally, we all have stronger ones and weaker ones, but those weaker ones are making it challenging for you to do what you want to do. Um, so in my case, it was making me challenge, it was making it challenging for me to read properly. But when I improved my 28 thinking skills, not only did reading now happen naturally, all areas of my life got better because this is the core, this is the center of everything that you're doing. So academically, I did better. Um, socially, my confidence grew up, went up, like everything just became so much better that I knew I wanted to learn it and help people with it. Though I didn't realize it would be my whole life. Okay. And what were the areas of cognitive function that you were kind of lacking in? And are those common areas for most people? Or is it just specific to you? Yeah. So what's actually interesting is the Feuerstein mediators, the brain coaches who were working with me back then, although they were using the same exact method that I used, the Feuerstein method, they approach it a little bit differently. I, when I work with my clients, I'm very like conscious about the 20 cognitive functions and helping them be aware of them and being really conscious about which ones they're working on um, and working on the ones that they specifically want to work on. And it's like part of the program. I make it part of it versus here. I don't know if it was because I was younger or just because of how they approached it a little bit differently. We were just working on all 28 together. It wasn't any um, like specific ones. However, one of the cognitive functions that I was really conscious about when I improved, it really changed my life. That happened later on when I was getting training um, to improve these cognitive functions every as every training that you do, you could begin working with clients, but it's a few-year process to really get the whole full training. And in this process, um, I was taking a Tony Robbins course, um, RPM method, like how to plan based on your motivation, not your to-do list. At that time, I thought it was really cool. Like you're doing on your, what do you motivate? Not just like following like everything you have to do. And I was like, this is pretty cool. Um, I was super like, productive at the time, or at least I thought I was really productive because like I was the type of person that would get everything done right now. You told me something needs to happen, like it happened now. Um, but part of what this program spoke about was being able to like plan for like a year or two years ahead, like thinking like the big picture and further, don't just focus on your to-do list right now. And I really struggled with that. I wasn't that, like I wasn't trying to do it, but I really struggled with not being able to like think being able to think that big. So when I was 
later on, a few months later, I went to take a training specifically in the cognitive function of categorizations. To answer your question, um, categorizations is not just about being able to split like red, yellow, green, blue, like that I was able to do, but being able to see the big picture on a more complex, abstract level was where I was struggling. That's why I was very much able to do everything right now, but I couldn't say, okay, it's okay if this task happens later this week or even next week. It might be better if I don't do it now and I'm going to save it when I go on a different errand. I'll do this errand together, right? And not like focusing like, oh no, I have to go run out right now because I need this thing right now. But no, I'll go on Friday. I'll just go and do all my errands, right? I'm seeing the big picture of errands, of all my errands for that week. So after I improved that cognitive function, now I was able to go and do Tony Robbins course and think the big picture, think a year ahead. And I like started saving 10 hours every single week because now I structured my day differently, right? So even though I was thought I was being productive before, I was doing a lot of activities and weird orders. So it was making it um, like I wasn't really planning in a really productive, efficient manner. So that was like when I realized that even adults, um, people who are running businesses, people who are helping other people really need to improve these cognitive functions um, at any age and any stage. Mm. So so these kind of coachings and the lessons that you had, you know, stuck with you and you're like, wow, this is really working for me. It's making me into a better person. I want to pass this on to other people because I think other people can benefit from this. And what I'm curious about is you, you've mentioned a few times, you know, the 28 cognitive functions. I wonder if you can kind of like list them. I know 28 is a long list. I don't know if you've got it like off the top of your head or if you could just list, you know, the most common ones maybe just so like the list can kind you want, of go, I oh. could, whatever, if you want, I could just read all of them and you stop me if you want me not to, like I could just list them like really quickly and you could stop me if you want me not to, like you I want me to go list- deeper in one of them or you want me to just talk about the common ones. I say list all 28 and any ones that stick out to me, I'll ask you a bit more about them if that's okay. Perfect. Yes. So the very first one is clear perception. That one's taking in information in a clear and organized manner. The second one is labeling, um, giving things the precise and accurate label. Um, Number three is systematic search, finding and looking for things in a system. Four is aware of space, your brain understanding, rights, lefts, directions, how much space takes up, anything with space, spatial awareness. Number five is time, anything having to do related to time, before, after, how long things take. Six is um, conserving constancies, being able to like see what stays the same and e- even if something changes. So let's say if I hold, show you two squares, one's red and one's blue, but they still both have four right angles, four sides that are the same, right? Like all the characteristics of a square, they're still both squares, even though one's red and one's blue. So what needs to stay the same, um, even when changes are made? Um, Seven is getting precise and accurate information. Eight is holding more, two or more sources of information in your brain at the same time. This is a great point to stop you at. That's number seven and number eight. Can you talk about those a little bit? Because funnily enough, I, I can only really store one piece of information in my brain at a time and I don't know where to get and store great information. So if you could talk about that a little bit, that'd be great. Number seven, being precise, is about taking in information in a precise manner, right? Someone gives you a, a number, an email, you want to make sure it's correct because you know if it's like one letter, one dot off, like you can't contact the person that email is not going to work that's taking in information in a precise manner it's fairly simple to understand but 
many people, like, we're busy. We're impulsive. We don't have patience. We have things going on. And then we're not really so precise. And then it really affects us, right? Um, the Like, the, the most extreme example I could give you of being precise is, like, if someone's having a brain surgery, they want to make sure that's, like, done super precisely, not, like, a millimeter of a millimeter of a millimeter. Like, it's perfect exactly. to. It's, like, that's, like, has to be super precise. Now, you don't have to be so precise most of the time, but you do have to make sure that what you're for the task that you're doing, it's precise enough, right? Because some things like really don't matter and some things matter a lot more. So the, to make sure that you're just being precise usually is worth it to take that extra three seconds to just double check and make sure you have the right information. So you got an email from someone, the email address from someone, just like make sure it's not that one letter off. Or if you... Um, are getting directions from someone, make sure they really sit right and not left, right? Because that's going to make a difference. Like you're going to land up in a different place. So just double check and make sure that you have the right information. Um, number eight, the other cognitive function you asked about is being able to hold two or more sources of information at the same time. So that's being able to like remember different things that you need to do at one time, like holding the information in your brain at the time. So really kids starting as young as two, sometimes three, but even two years old, they could follow two-step directions, right? Like hang up your coat and sit down at the table for dinner. That's following two steps. They have to remember that you're telling them two things, hang up your coat and and sit at a table for dinner. Don't like confuse this with like multitasking. Your brain can't multitask. It task switches. It goes back and forth between different things really quickly. But it's being, while you're hanging up your coat, it could still think about the fact that afterwards it is going to sit at the table for dinner. Um, but when somebody gets older, like three and four, they could already start doing three-step directions. Hang up your coat, wash your hands, sit down at the table for dinner, right? So that's that on a more advanced level. Even though people from a very young age can do this, a lot of adults struggle with this. Um, they and it, like it makes it challenging to do a task. Like I know I struggled with this, and like where well, you have to like I remember like in school, um, this is one of the things I struggled with, right? So if I was like copying down something from the board on the, my notes or things like that, I would like keep on having to look back again because like I couldn't remember the the whole entire spelling of it like all the spelling of the letters, I would have to say like two letters at a time. Like that was the most I was able to hold. And then I would every second have to look up. So it just took longer. It takes more energy. It takes more brain space. Um, if someone's like, even I'm listening to someone and I'm writing something down and they're three letters ahead and I'm only two letters back, it's taking more time, right? So to get better at this, you want to be conscious working on having your brain be able to hold that information. So in times where there's like no pressure and it's like, okay, if you make a mistake, give yourself two things to do. So let's say, for example, you just come home from the grocery store Mm -hmm. and you have to unpack your bags. So give yourself like two things to do. I am going to go home, go inside the house and unpack the grocery bags and answer a text. Okay. Like, you know, that you got a text while you're driving and I'm going to answer this test. You are conscious about that. And then when you're making sure that you you could remember to do those things. Once you see, once you see yourself getting better at two, at three, at four, at five, most people are comfortable. Like if you could do four or five, that's like a very comfortable place to like be able to like be really efficient and still like run the world really, really well, like without having the frustration of not remembering so many. But there are some people that could also remember seven and eight. It just depends how hard you want to work on developing, developing that skill. 
you just gave like a method there of how to improve your kind of, well, I guess it's focus. So I'm wondering what other methods you can use to improve your focus other than giving yourself, you know, a sequence of tasks to do. Are there other little brain training type things you can do outside of the normal stuff that people try to say like ex- exercise and, you know, meditation or medication? What kind of other things can we do to improve our focus? Yeah, well, focus is like oh, one of my big favorite topics because um, believe it or not, focus is related to the sense of touch. The same part of your brain, the, um, the not the parietal lobe. Yeah, the, um, the parietal lobe, yes, is in charge both of choosing to focus. Like, I'm not talking about focus, like, if you hear, like, a boom and, like, you quickly look. Like, I'm focusing on a task and your sense of touch. Now, what happens is our sense of touch is not really developed because we see something before we touch it. So, before I, my hands come to my phone, my brain has already, my brain sees my phone, my brain has touched my phone before, my brain knows what it feels like. So, it's almost like feeling it with its eyes instead of actually feeling it with your skin, with your sense of touch. Mm -hmm. So unless we're like really touching something new or for some reason it's like surprising, like it's wet or something, that's only times we're actually using the sense of touch. So our sense of touch is not very well developed in relation to the other senses and in that part of the brain in relation to focusing. So what you want to do is you want to improve your brain's sense of touch. And then you're automatically creating neuron connections in the same part of the brain that's choosing to focus and you can automatically focus better. Um, So here are two different activities you could do to improve your sense of touch, but it's not like a one-time thing. Like you're going to have to do it multiple times to really see the effects. Like when I work with clients on this, they come to me for three days and we literally work for three days, five, six hours every single day, just doing these exercises. And then they see then they see like drastic improvement. But I doubt you're going to sit there for five, six hours doing it every day. So just do it a little bit. And over a couple of weeks, you're going to start seeing improvements. Um, The first one is fairly simple. And both of these you could also do with kids. So if you have an ADHD kid or someone who just struggles with focusing, go right ahead. Um, Take like a non-see-through bag and have someone else, like not you, someone else just put random items around the house inside the bag. So you have no idea what's in this bag. Then you're going to put your hand in the bag and feel one item at a time and try to like figure out what it is, right? Because now you can't see it. You're putting your hand in there and you have to figure out. But what's really important is not just like, oh, I feel this. This is a knife or, oh, I maybe I don't put in a knife because <laughs> knife you're going to cut yourself. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Okay. I feel a Lego, right? Or um, a, another like a different piece of pen or whatever you put inside, right? Instead, try to get into like the real details of it. So is this a Lego that has like three circles, um, three, six circles on top, like two rows of three? Or is this a Lego that has four circles on top, two rows of two, right? Like get into the details of it. So you're really, really having to concentrate and feel what it is, not just in a general, like take your time with it. This is not about rushing through. That's number one. The second thing you could do is, do you know what puff paint is? Puff like paint. the paint that dries like and high a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You could also use like glue gun, like hot glue, like that, like dries and is raised. Mm-hmm. So also do this with somebody else also. And you make each make pictures for each other out of these either hot glue or puff paint. And then once it dries, blindfold, you each blindfold each other one at a time. And you have to 
feel what the picture is. Once again, you are guessing what this picture is, but you like, like before, it's not just like, oh, this is a flower. Like really feel it. How many petals are there? Is there any petals that are bigger? Take your time. Use your fingertips. Like go all the way through. Use your whole hand to get the whole picture. And that will actually develop your sense of touch. And you're going to start like seeing transformation in how you focus. Right. And how is that helping our focus? Is it making us pay more attention to the details that we normally miss? Or is it something that I, I'm not quite aware of? Yeah, so both of it, obviously, it's making you pay attention to the details, but more specifically, it's developing those neuron connections in your brain, right? Like I said in the before, that that your sense of touch is not developed. There's like in if you would like take scans and see like where your neuron connections are in relationship to other parts of your brain, that part isn't doesn't have as many neuron connections. I'm not saying it doesn't have, but like not as many. And that part of the brain is very is also in charge of focusing. So when you're improving the those that sense of touch, you are making new neuron connections there. You are developing that that part of the brain, and then you automatically, at the same time, you're developing your ability to focus. Right, and so you know we we do these types of things over a period of time. But I'm wondering, day to day, you know, going around our regular day, how can we improve this? So let's say you know we sit down at our computer or we get to the office. How can we kind of make new neuron connections there? Can we be like, oh? this door handle is circular or this door handle is is a bar and it's steel, you know, are those things going to help us make new neuron connections or is that kind of just paying too much attention to small details type things? Yeah, so that already um, comes down to understanding which one of your 20 cognitive functions are weak and strong because the reason you are procrastinating, you're struggling to focus is because one of your cognitive functions are weak. Our brains don't like to work hard. So one it's weak, then it's an extra challenge for our brain and it's extra challenge to focus. If someone is struggling with the cognitive function we spoke about before, being precise and not noticing the details, they're going to want to do exactly what you said, like noticing the details because they're being precise about like their life around them and then they're developing those neural connections. But if for the most part you're precise, there's probably different um, a different cognitive function that you're weak at and you want to understand which one those are so that way you could do specific exercises to improve that right okay yeah that makes sense so let's go back into the list we were at number eight let's hear what you know nine ten eleven twelve is and i'm sure i'll have to stop you somewhere in between there to explain the other ones yeah so before i just get into it i just want to um share there's actually three phases of thinking input how we take in information elaboration how we process the information and then output how we tell the world we know what we know so the first eight that we just spoke about we're all in the first phase of thinking like how we're taking in information right holding two or more sources of information that's taking in information um clear perception making sure that information is coming in in an organized manner being precise right like that's all the next 12 are going to be more about like processing it and understanding it. And like a lot of times this is what people call more about thinking. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. So let's okay. get into the processing part then. Yes. So number nine is um, defining the problem, like getting clear on what the actual problem is. Number 10 is searching for relevant cues. Cue, like what hints, what things are happening here and what is relevant to the situation and what's just a distraction. Number 11 is comparing. 12 is working memory. Um, being able to deal. There's like memory, like long-term memory, like something that you remember from 
like yesterday or even like six months ago. That's like long-term working memory is memory related to the actual task that you're doing. So going back to like what we spoke about, like before, like if, like giving yourself specific tasks, that's very related to working memory because you also have to remember the information that you need for this task. Um, 13 is understanding reality, right? Like understanding how things are related, um, what happens because you do certain things, like you have these big goals, but like, how are you actually going to make them happen? Number 12 is providing logical evidence. So like exactly what it sounds like, making sure things make sense and they're logical. Um, 15 is thinking abstractly, right? So some people like really need concrete. They struggle, like they need a, like they need you to draw pictures and graphs and everything to explain to them versus thinking on a more, more abstract level. Even like numbers are more abstract than just like when you start to count, when you're really little, they give you like those little teddy bears or like little like popsicle sticks or things. So like it's easier to see versus just the numbers as a level of abstractness. Six is hypothetical thinking. This we're usually very familiar with like in school with pop problem solving, just like typical hypothetical thinking. 17 is now strategies for hypothetical thinking, like using hypothetical testing. What am I going to use to figure out if my hypothesis is true? Like if and then, how am I going to figure this out? 18 is summative behavior. It's like being able to count details. So like how many steps am I going to need for this plan or how many, how many, how many people are coming to this party? Anything to do with like the amount of numbers. Um, nine is having a need to make a plan. So actually making a plan is more complex and is requires you to use many of the cognitive functions at once. Um, most of the tasks we do as we go about our life use a few of these cognitive functions, not just one of them, but you're not going to even think about making a plan if you don't have a need to make the plan. So that's 19. 20, the last one in this section is categorizing, being able to put things into groups and being able to see the label of the groups and how they go together. Yeah. That's, while you were explaining that, that section, it made me think about cooking and following a recipe almost. So as in the idea of like, right, I've got to chop these vegetables, right, put that in first, put the meat in now. Like, I'm sure a lot of people struggle with that. But, you know, once you improve your thinking, then, you know, something as simple as following a recipe, you know, most people might have that down. But, you know, maybe there's other tasks that are, you know, going along this process that we might struggle with as an adult. I don't know if you have a better example, but that was the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, it's funny that you see that because when I was a kid and I was getting these sessions, um, I actually went to quite a few of the sessions together with my sister. And my sister, even at that age, loved cooking. And would, all the examples would always be about cooking and about um, and about like baking because like it's not like when you're doing these sessions, there's like a lot of talking about how this relates to actual life, right? Like mm. we want to make it really practical and show you how you could like use them starting today. Um, so it's interesting that, that you said that, but what happens is that sometimes we could do it in one area, but we want to be able to bridge it to other areas, right? Mm. So even if someone who's listening doesn't know what all the 20 cognitive functions are, if you could like think about what helped me do this task, like why was I, why was following a recipe easy for me if it is for you? Then like, once you say like, oh, because I get all of my ingredients out and I 
have all my supplies out and like I know I'm following directions. Essentially, what you're doing is you're preparing yourself, you're planning, right? When you think about it like that and you give it a name, you say that you're planning, then afterwards you can now say, hey, where else in my life is it better for me to plan? Mm. Right? Right. And so where are some areas that you find most people don't plan? Is it, you know, planning out their day? Is it planning out their work schedule? Is it, you know, doing too many social events at once? I'm, I'm really curious what, because you have more experience with this, what you come across. Yeah. So planning is an interesting one because like I mentioned earlier, it requires many cognitive functions. So people fall on all different ranges, all different like places, and there's no right or wrong. It's really where your brain is at. Um, so one of the things is some people don't plan at all. They just like go with the flow and they like figure things out. There's like no planning at all. Um, there are other parts of people that struggle with planning is where they plan um, without a good sense of time, as in like they think they could do a lot more things in smaller and there's not enough time to do those amounts of things in that. And that's a lot of times related to the cognitive function of time that we said in the beginning, like understanding how long things take. Um, another aspect of planning that people struggle with is like what makes sense to do for a second. Like if you're working on a big project, like what things do we have to do first? Or even like moving, if you're moving a house, like, and you're packing, it's like, it takes time, right? Which things are you, you're planning, which things are you going to pack first? So like, consecutive order things. Another thing struggling with planning, right? Even though let's say, for example, me, right? Like I thought I was a really good planner. Um, I would even ever since high school, I would plan my day the night before. And like, I thought I was really good at it, but because of a different cognitive function, because of categorizations and not being able to group the things together, I wasn't planning very efficiently. So I was planning my day, but it wasn't, it was like a little bit sporadic and things are all over. Now I do a lot of like batching. I do everything together. instead. So instead of answering my emails all throughout the day, sit down, half hour, answer all my emails. And I save a ton of time because I'm not like going back in. My brain has to think about it like, and go back and forth. So I do that with like all area of life. That's like being able to plan in an efficient manner. So I could like continue going. There's like so many ways that people struggle with planning and it will really depend on which one of their cognitive functions they're struggling with. Yeah. And so now we've been through 20 of the 28 cognitive functions that we've got those two sections of, you know, inputs or taking information and then processing that information. What, what is the third area about, I want to guess it's on like critical thinking or assessment maybe, or something close to that. Yeah. So the critical thinking, um, a lot of times is related to the, the, this, the second part, I mean, they're all related to each other. It's like very fluid and they could, um, they like, we bounce around with them as we're thinking. Um, but that's more related to the second one. Now, when most people, when they think of critical thinking, they think of like the critical thinking that we learn in school. And that is going to use all the cognitive functions that we already spoke about or that we're going to speak about. So for example, one of the things in order for you to critically think, you need to be able to compare correctly. That's a cognitive function. You need to be able to define the problem. That's another cognitive function. So all these tasks, these things that we already know actually have underlining skills that we're using that we don't even realize, which are called cognitive functions. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So let me hear the other eight and then we'll see where we're at and then I'll try to assess my own cognitive functions i guess but so far i think i'm doing all right up up until this point there's not many things i've been like oh yeah i think i'm struggling with that but maybe in the last sections there's areas that i'm struggling with that could be most definitely um i'm just gonna say like two things not that like first of all we all have weaker cognitive functions now there's another thing about like just it's 
like you're really okay with all of them. But like when you improve one, then like it helps even more. So like I'm not here saying like, oh, you have weak cognitive functions. I'm just saying like as humans, we all have some stronger ones and weaker ones. That's um, first of all. So sometimes like if you would just improve one, it would make a lot of areas better. Mm -hmm. And another thing, um, and also like I'm saying this not just to you, like I'm saying this because for any listener who's listening, just, you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not here trying to attack you. Um, That sometimes our brain has to make do and has to live with the brain that it has. And that's like a really good thing. It has to figure out how it's going to survive, even if it has some weak cognitive functions. So what happens is we create these ways of doing things and these ways of thinking and these systems and even just like how we go about our day based on our strong and weak cognitive functions without even realizing what we're doing. Now, what's happening here is we're doing it for survival, but we're working a lot harder than we need to because our stronger cognitive functions have to overcompensate for our weaker ones. So sometimes we need like an outside source to tell us that this cognitive function um, needs to be improved because then we're like, no, I don't really think I need it. Like that's what I thought about cog- about categorizations for forever. Like literally when I was a kid, my mom used to tell me I needed it. I was like, no, I know how to categorize. And we need this outside source to help us figure it out. And it's only once we improve that cognitive function more, do we realize that like, hey, we were working really hard before. Not that we were managing, but our life could be a lot easier. Now, like I said, Sam, this is not against you. This is like for everyone listening. So that way, like people understand that like we could always improve them. There's like no limit, no cap to how much you could improve it. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's, okay. let's jump into... Last 20 day. to 28 then, but as we, as we realize <laughs> yes, that improving is the way. Yes, exactly. So 21 is, I'm considering another person's point of view. Um, this will be very related to communication. This will be related to like relationships, anything just like working together with people, considering their point of view, being able to actually see that. So yes, a lot of communication problems actually come from a person not realizing that they struggle to see another person's perspective. Um, 22 is projecting virtual relationships. That's like a fancy way of saying being able to see how two things are related, even if it isn't super obvious. So um, for example, like apples grows on trees, even though I don't see the apple. Now that's a really simple example and it would like happen a lot more, but like, let's say in business, like why are people not like not clicking on my ads, right? Like being able to see the connection that aren't right there. Um, 23 is perseverance or the opposite of that would be blocking. Sometimes like we are doing a task and it gets really challenging and really hard. And we literally feel like there's like a wall in our brain, like a block, like we can't just get through that block and being able to persevere through that. 24 is actually, it's stopping and thinking, but the opposite of that is trial and error. And I don't know about what happens in England, but I do know that in America, it's actually considered a really good strategy. Let's do trial and error and like figure out the answer. And not always is that a bad thing, but a lot of time is wasted by just like making random guesses. If we could just take a few moments, like figure out what's a better strategy to do here. If there really is nothing else, then like we fall back 
to trial and error. But just like jumping into trial and error without stopping and thinking um, would be a weak cognitive function. Um, 25 is giving a thoughtful response, like being able to fully express yourself clearly and cohesively. 26 is being precise, but this time in the output phase. So in the first time being precise was like, getting in the information. Now we're being precise in what we're saying. So as if we're, if we're telling someone our email address, making sure we're saying it precisely. 27 is being able to visually transport. So like being able to transport things from one place to another, like in our brain. So if you're copying things from the board, right, that's like visually transporting, or you're like looking at someone's phone and you're copying it to your phone, that is visually transporting. And 28 is showing self-control. Believe it or not, that's very related to how we think. And it's being able to like think before we speak or act and not just like acting out on impulsivity. Yeah, I feel like 28 is definitely something I know I struggle with that I'm actively working. <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> yeah, I'm actively working on it. I've had I've had some experiences in the past couple months where I've been like, oh, you're actually getting better at this because instead of reacting, you're actually like, right, okay, let me sit with this, let me think. And you know, sometimes, especially if it's like a person-to-person conversation, there's an awkward silence and then that person continues speaking and you go, oh, hang on a minute, you're not, <laughs> you're not thinking before you speak now. You just, you let it be what it is. But... So our listener is ideally or most likely, you know, an entrepreneur or someone looking to start their own business or, you know, a high up kind of exec in a company, you know, the listings vary, but it's, it's in that world. They're people that are in charge of making their own decisions and making their own kind of plans in life. So I'm wondering, is there like a couple skills that entrepreneurs or people like this can kind of incorporate now to kind of have better cognitive functions to improve as a person something that you would just like blanket suggest to anybody but like do this now and you're going to be better at this do that now you'll be better at that and etc etc yeah so that would really depend on 28 cognitive functions yeah (laughs) i know it's not really the answer you're looking for but i'd suggest i have a free assessment at lifepixuniversity.com forward slash cf it like takes less than 10, 10 minutes, you just take the assessment and you could assess where you're at with each one of those 28. Once you know, you see it like black and white in front of you, then you could say like, okay, I am going to do specific exercises to improve my ability of like you did like self, self-control, right? Like you don't specifically need me to tell you, like, I'm happy to help you, but I'm saying like, you don't need to hire me to help you to be able to figure out which one of those cognitive functions um, you need. That's first of all. But second of all, if you want to just improve your brain in general and like how you think and challenge yourself, like really give like a workout for your brain, purposely put yourself in new and challenging situations where you know you are going to mess up, learn a new skill, Take take that new challenging course, like do something that you are scared to do that you think that you can't do. You want to do it. Develop that skill of resilience, develop the growth mindset and actively work on yourself on doing new challenging things. Nice. You sound like somebody who's done a lot of, you know, self-mastery or self-learning. And I'm wondering where you kind of do that. Is it YouTube, podcasts, books? All of the above, but specifically, I'm very into like taking courses and like working, not just like any courses, but more like working um, either one-on-one with coaches or in masterminds. Um, I'm very into like the self-learning sort of aspect versus, and 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 like, you know, like learning 
faster from people who have more experience for me and being able to get personalized help. I do like courses, but not as much as like being able to speak to someone where they could give you more like the personal um, attention and suggestions that you need. So that's where I do a lot of it. Mm. I've had a few other guests actually that have spoke about the power of masterminds. And, you know, these are people that would have been in lots of debt, you know, with their business. And then they joined a mastermind, they were able to fix it and get out. Or there's people that just started really successful businesses and are part of a, you know, a proper mastermind as in, you know, a mastermind is like, right, we're making 10 million a year. Everyone in here wants to make a hundred million a year. Let's get there. So I'm wondering, how do you find your masterminds and what are your masterminds kind of focused around? Because obviously for me, the ones I've more so heard about our focus around we're making x amount let's make more or you're in debt let's make you know that go away but your sounds like they're more focused around mindset learnings as opposed to financial learnings so it depends it depends what the mindset stuff to be fear is a lot of like podcasts is a lot of like reading books like i'm always listening to stuff always dry like whenever i have any free time i am listening to those things so that helps with mindset a lot um but Usually when I go to a mastermind, not always is it like for forever, right? Some of these masterminds are like you join and like you stay there for years and years and years. And it could be that's a really good thing. I personally have never been in one of them. I go more to like these masterminds where they're focused on a specific skill that they want to learn. So let's say, for example... Now I am in a podcast mastermind, yeah? Like how to do podcast guesting. So I've already been podcast guesting for like over three years, but recently just like a couple weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I want to get this more honed in. I want to become a better podcast guest. I want to help it help more people. I want to be able to use it to grow my business, things like that. And I'm joining a mastermind that's specifically for this. So we meet twice a week, right? And it's like all this mastermind and we're learning specifically on how to become better podcast guests. But then I also get to make friends with everyone else who is in that mastermind. Everyone else, they're on this pretty much like on about the same page as me and we help each other and we share like our favorite tips and everything to really help us all grow. And, and going back to that mindset, like it helps with the mindset also because like, we're all thinking bigger together. We're like people, a lot of people say like entrepreneurship is really lonely or like my family doesn't support me or all these things. And honestly, it's your choice to take responsibility for it. Even if you can't afford a mastermind, like fill your ears, like read those books, like do surround yourself with the people who, who, who will believe in you, even if, even if you can't pay for it. Yeah. And our listener is obviously listening to a podcast right now, so they're clearly into podcasts. I'm wondering if you have a podcast suggestion for them that you know that you use on a regular basis to improve your mindset or just that you enjoy listening to. Well, I'm going to say my own podcast, obviously. Um, that one is the Business Brain Podcast. So we're going deeper into the cognitive functions. Um, a few other ones I really like is um, Alex Tarmosi's podcast okay. is really good. Yeah. Um, more like smaller ones who might not know so much is Get to Know You um, by Tiffany Farag. It's a little bit different, not so much like um, entrepreneur, but more like self-awareness um, and speaks about like a little bit of like interesting topics. And what she has a really interesting is like they speak about a topic and then the next week um, they bring on another another guest talking about the same topic they had previously, but answering the questions listeners brought in. So you could like send her messages on social and things like that. And then they talk about it again. So like you really get deep into the topic, not just like talking like 
a little bit about everything. Yeah, no, that, that's a good thing. I think that's that's what podcasting is great for. Like, obviously, for me, my show is more about kind of understanding, you know, the many paths entrepreneurship can take and people going, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could get into like mindset coaching or, you know, into kind of improving people's cognitive functions. There's there's a whole wild, like, wide world out there. But yeah, podcasts that do that definitely see a lot of success because it's the idea of you're invested in the topic now, you can ask your question and you're listening back next week to get the question answered. And I think there's definitely a movement where interactivity is, you know, being noticed more in podcasting because you know, that's why social media works. It's because you're able to, say something people can say something you reply back to them and podcasting at the moment is like a a one-sided conversation that you can kind of listen into but there's not really much of a of a backwards and forwards dialogue but speaking of one-sided conversations books are essentially a one-sided conversation there's no feedback you can put into a book there's no way to really talk to the person who wrote it unless you find them and they care to reply to you so i'm wondering is there a book that changed your mind? Is there a book that's really improved your personal or entrepreneurial experience? Like every listener has a different one, but you know, I'd always like to get book recommendations off my off my guests. Yeah, so I have a few books I really like. Um, the first one is James Clear Atomic Habits. Amazing, You've probably book. heard of that of course, one. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Um, another one. The book itself is boring to read, but like every entrepreneur needs to read it is Mindset by Carol Dweck. Mm -hmm. Um, She speaks about the difference between growth and fixed mindset. Growth mindset is always learning and always growing versus fixed mindset is like things the way they are is always the way they're going to be. But it's not just about like always growing. A lot of times like we think, oh, we're learning. We're listening to podcasts and we're learning. But it goes a lot deeper than that of like. Like I said before, like putting yourself in challenging situations and like not being afraid to fail and like really, really going into growth, like focusing on the process of things. Um, that's a great book. Um, another book I really like is Alex Hermosi, 10 million, 10 million dollar offers. Oh, oh, ten, what a lead. He's getting I, to leads, I think. Leads is next. Leads, right? Yeah. That's why I like, keep on hearing it. So it's yeah. like always like um, mixing them up. Another book also I really like is 12 Rules for Life. Okay. By Jordan Peterson. Like I could go on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most people that are entrepreneurs that you realize that they're always learning. And that goes back to what you're saying about that book mindset. It's a growth mindset. And it's one thing to like know all these things, but it's also knowing them and implementing them where the you know, kind of value comes in. So for me, I, you know, I've read, um, is it hundred million dollar offers i think that's the right hundred million dollar offers yeah, yeah. that I, comes first and then the comes leads, the leads yeah, right yeah. i've read that and i'm like great okay i've got my hundred million dollar offer you know I'm, I'm working on it i'm doing it okay but i'm not really getting any leads and it's like oh the next book's coming I'm like that's great but for me where i was at my entrepreneurial journey it helped me to get you know better leads and get better work and obviously to focus on the bigger picture but you know there's there's definitely a point where I feel like a lot of people get into that that learning kind of habit without actually implementing it. So I'm wondering for you, what was the kind of last thing you learned that you implemented, whether that was from a podcast, a book, or you know, a course or your mastermind? Um, yeah. So I'd probably say specifically this podcast uh, mastermind that I'm currently in mm. um, about making sure to like implement everything. I tend to, I tend to. And my general approach, I mean, just so maybe it might be helpful for people. Yeah. Like whether it's a podcast or whether it's um, a book or like a course or whatever that I'm taking first, like to get into it a little bit to understand what this person's saying. And if I'm aligned with it and things, if I decide that this is something that I really like what he's saying, and I really think is going to benefit my business, I go, I make sure I'm 
like from that point on in the book or like I don't continue the book or the podcast or the whatever I'm doing until I implement what they're saying. Right. So let's say now I'm doing this podcast um, mastermind that also has like videos that I also have to watch like in between. I'm pausing the video as he's giving us exercises to do and doing the exercises immediately. But I would do the same thing with a podcast episode. Like if there's a podcast, some podcasts I just listen just like for mindset and like not to like really implement everything. But like a, a podcast that's really good like that is it's actually the it's called the email marketing show. Um, it's a really good podcast about specifically email marketing. And I will not listen to another episode of it until I've implemented what they've said before. So it depends why I'm reading that book or listening to that podcast. And then I'm going to make sure to really implement it. Yeah. Cool. So for you, it's like, kind of like, you have to stop everything and be like, right, this is what's going on. This is what I need to do. I'm going to get that going or else, you know, otherwise it's just going to get thrown into the memory palace and never, never come back out type thing. Right. But I'm going to make sure that like I'm doing it while, while it makes sense. Right. So for example, I'm not going to listen to that email marketing show while I'm driving for an hour and a half, because I know like that doesn't make sense for me to be able to implement it right away. If I'm doing, taking this podcast course right next to it, I have my notebook. I have like the things I could do, the exercises. Right. So that's why I also have podcasts that like I'm listening just for mindset. So I am driving or even like Alex Hermosi's thing. Right. So I'm not like implementing every single thing he's saying because of the style of his show, but I'm listening to it. I'll implement it if I think I want it, but like, I don't mind listening to a few of those episodes without implementing anything either. Mm. That makes perfect sense. And ST, I'm, I'm wondering for you, you are, you know, helping people improve their cognitive functions. And this is something that you do for yourself. And, you know, it's, it's a business you've built up over time. I'm wondering for you, what are the kind of results that you tend to see from people? You know, if you have a success story, this would be the best time to kind of share it. But yeah, I'm just wondering, you know, people come to you and they're struggling with this and then they leave and they're, you know, thriving at that now. Yeah, people who come to me are usually struggling with like procrastination, with being able to focus, really feeling overwhelmed, stressed, like long to do lists. Like they really have businesses already that they're usually doing well, but like they're feeling like their business is controlling them almost like there's so much happening and they're not really able to enjoy so much the business because they're just overwhelmed by everything that's happening. And after we work together, then they're like much more productive, much more organized. They have systems that work for their brain. They have strategies. They're like, they like challenges. They're not afraid of challenges that are happening. They almost like feel like they have superpowers afterwards because like they're ready to like conquer the world. But um, one of my favorite stories to share is from a couple years back when I was working with a company like their C-suite executives um, in the company and I would go in twice a week to work with them and there was this lady there who was pretty new to the company and we started working together and a few weeks later she comes to tell me she's like my husband asked me last night if I'm getting therapy because apparently she like was the type of person that struggled with being able to like plan and prioritize like what needs to happen and so she would stay up late a lot of nights and it would cause a lot of stress and tension in the house with everything that she thought she needed to do without being able to like prioritize it in a clear way that actually makes sense without it like having to go to sleep 3 a.m every single night and it was getting close to holiday and she decided that like instead of staying late she is going to plan and prioritize in a good way and she went to sleep at a normal time and her husband was like 
what is going on here? Like he was so surprised. He didn't know she was taking these sessions and she didn't know that like it was helping her brain. And he like actually thought she like as a joke, like he was going for therapy and she's like, yeah, do you know, I'm like getting this brain help. And he like couldn't believe you had to like come in next time I was there in the office to like meet me. But it was just like an example of like how even though they she was taking this to improve the business and how she was working in the business, then it also affected her home life and her relationship specifically. So when we solve the core issues, it actually solves all areas of our lives. Mm. And kind of following on from that, you know, you've made a real impact in someone's life there. And I'm wondering, what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy? Yeah, when somebody has uh, like a cognitive function that gets improved, that all of a sudden now their life is easier. Like there's, it's literally a change in the person because it's not like they have to work on it forever after it's like now this cognitive function is strong and now this their life is automatically easier and for the rest of their life the work that they did in those couple of months all of a sudden now are going to pay off forever and that is when like it really gets me excited because i know that the person's life is never going to be the same after where can the people find you online the best place would be to really take that cognitive function assessment at lifepixuniversity.com forward slash CF. So that's LifePix um, with an X. If you want to find me on social or my website or things like that, that's also lifepixuniversity.com. So lifepixuniversity.com and then forward slash CF for the assessment. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.